Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me yet again, uh, Mr. Akshaz Dibadula. Akshaz, how you doing, man? Doing good, Robert. Um, like we were just talking about before we went on air, you know, weird game yesterday, kind of a odd aftertaste. But you know what? I'll never complain about a win. So feeling this good. Is, yeah, this is true. Um, I think I, I th- said something like it's the weirdest, uh, the weirdest, about the weirdest that game could have gone, and still probably ended up with a with a 49ers victory. Um, the the funny thing that the the one thing that kept coming through my going through my brain as I'm watching the game unfold is that we were like we were dead certain it was going to go one of two ways, and we totally forgot about the third way, which is this. 49ers team might be like the weirdest team in the NFL. Um, and so something weird at bizarro land was going to happen. And that's exactly what took place. Like it wasn't the, you know, the Niners ran him out, ran him out of the building. It wasn't just, uh, Justin Herbert was, you know, otherworldly and, and led his team to, to a massive blowout victory. It was just bizarro land from, from pretty much the beginning of the game. Yeah. yeah. And also, just randomly, but I was just because I'm taking a look at the box score for our game, and I'm realizing the Eagles are down to yeah the Commanders right now. Yeah, 23-21 as we as we record this. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this, you'll, that that will no longer be true. So if this game ends sometime before the end of the <laughs> the end of the podcast, which I don't think it will happen because they just started the fourth quarter, um, we'll we'll keep you updated. But you, you'll know where it is. But um, that's that would be good news for I think for the for the 49ers in some way shape or form because 
Um, catching the Eagles without them sort of losing a game they probably shouldn't lose is probably not going to happen um, as far as uh, getting up to that number one seed in the in the in the NFC. But if they start losing games that they uh, probably should win, could, that could vote well. For sure. I mean, I was looking at their schedule. This is a bit of a tangent, but honestly, I don't see a, like a game they shouldn't be favored about like at all. And it's fascinating to me. Like there's a real chance that like, obviously you never know what happens. It's any given Sunday, but I legitimately think they would be favored to go 17 and 0. <laughs> which is insane. The first round of the playoffs or something uh, like that. <laughs> obviously, because that's football. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, we see it every week with these 49ers. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, so I think that that's a that's a, a lovely segue into into getting deeper into this uh, this again bizarre uh, Sunday night football game uh, against uh, the Niners win at 20, 22 16, which is a completely normal football score uh, over over the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I I was there was a point at which. I don't know about you, but I um, was I was kind of texting back and forth with a friend of mine who didn't really have a dog in the fight and was just kind of watching the game because uh, we well, he sort of had a dog in the fight because he had Jimmy Garoppolo as his fantasy quarterback. Um, and uh, so he was talking to me about it and I was there was there's a point in the game where I was like, I play on Sunday night anymore. This is stupid. Like Sunday night football game is are dumb. Uh, because, uh, of course, as you remember, the last Sunday night football game that that the, the 49ers featured and they managed uh, to score just 10 points and lose uh, an 11 to 10 squeaker to a, as it turns out, not very good Broncos team. Um, so I was pretty much ready to swear off Sunday night football games for the rest of, of my natural existence. Um, and then the second half started and things started to turn around. Um, very, very s- kind of eerily similar game to the the game against the lat the other team in Los Angeles that they played, you know, a couple of weeks ago against the Rams where, the first half was just like, what? What is going on? Like, what? Why are we? Why can't we? Why can't the defense get any stops? Why? Why is the offense so? Bleh? And then all of a sudden, not quite to the same extent, but um, the 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 defense came out and really came came into their own. You know, pretty much from from the from the second second quarter on, especially the second half, which I'm sure we'll talk about in more detail here in a little bit, but. The offense didn't quite reach the heights that they did in that Rams game, but they, you know, they did enough, and that was what mattered in the end. Um, but uh, I don't know if you have any more general thoughts before we get into the specifics of it. I think it's one of those things where a couple like plays completely changed the perception of this game, and I'm really just thinking. I think there are three plays in particular. It's if Ayuk catches that touchdown pass. If Elijah Mitchell doesn't slip on the like third and goal with one minute left, and I think there was like an RPO where Garoppolo didn't hand it off to Debo, and he basically had like green grass in front of him. And I th- if those three things happened, they ended up getting field goals in each of those times. Or I think the Debo one might have been a touchdown. I can't exactly remember eventually, but at the very least, that's still like. Let me do the quick math in my head to make sure that I'm not messy. It's like <laughs> six more points, plus we can 
obviously Robbie Gould missed an extra point, but we can add two more. So eight more points. That makes this a 30 to 16 game. That's a very different right. We were talking mm-hmm. about like the Niners like showing up and taking care of business. So, you know, obviously those are important things and they need to get better on like these down to down execution type things. But honestly, a win's a win. They clearly weren't a hundred percent, and that's a whole another issue we can dive into right. coming out of a bye. But you know, five and four is a whole lot better than four and five. Right. Yeah. And and on on top of that, they uh, the Seahawks who lost to Tampa Bay in Germany um, on Sunday. Uh, what was Sunday morning here in the United States? But um, I'm assuming Sunday afternoon there. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, they lost that game, so they're six and four uh, heading into their bye week as they come back from Europe. So that means by the time the Seahawks take the field again, they could be in second place in the NFC West because if the Niners take care of uh, Arizona in in Mexico next week um, on Monday Night Football, then they'll be in first place by nature of the tiebreaker, having uh, been they'll be four and zero in the division at that particular point. And they'll also own the head-to-head against the Seahawks so far this season, and so it, it'll it, it's incredible to think about that. Like you know, the, going into the bye at four and four, and you're like, eh. and then all of a sudden, the Seahawks lose, and uh, the Niners win, and the Niners are in a position where they again they could be in first place, um, roughly by this time next week. Not quite. I guess they'll only be about halfway through the game um in in mexico city at this point in the in the at this point next week as we record um but yeah i mean they are in in control of their own destiny at this point they still have to play the seahawks twice or once more they play arizona twice before the season is over i I mean i think this is a situation where they they have a real good chance of of sweeping the division um or at least getting five wins out out of the division which would put them in a particularly good place that even if they end up, you know, then if, if the Seahawks and the Niners both end up with what 11 wins or something like that, uh, the Niners are going to put themselves in a position where they might own a tiebreaker or something like that to, to put themselves in, into the driver's seat for that. And that it could, the, the, the difference between like being the three seed and the seven seed this year could be a pretty big, uh, a pretty big deal and allowing the Niners to play some, you know, like a home game, um, at, uh, you know, for the playoffs or something like that. But, uh, it's it's a big game and it wasn't pretty and 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 it wasn't the the spread that we were thinking. But as you note, like if Brandon and I catch that touchdown, um, I think I I noted that that play to to Debo um, where he I think he threw it to McCaffrey right in the in yep. the flat or something like yeah. that. And and it was very obvious to me <laughs> watching from my couch at home that that Debo Samuel would have kind of like jogged into the end zone if he had if he had handed the ball off to him. Um, and then and it's a completely different thing, you know, or if they don't take the 20 yard field goal in the first the first drive, um, I think they it, it ends up looking like a blowout. And and a lot of the numbers look like it should have been a blowout. They only you know, they only ended up winning by by six points. But I think if you look at some of the statistical numbers, it, it kind of looks like they did blow them out. Like if you just showed people like the statistics of like the total offense and that sort of thing, they'd probably be like, Oh yeah, it was like a 35 20 game or something like that. But no, it's not because this is the, the San Francisco 49ers. And that's just not what they do at this particular juncture for some reason. No, for reasons and, I cannot understand. 
Well, probably will hop into more of why they couldn't actually like, like despite the fact that they statistically dominated and as they should, the Chargers, they didn't get like a blowout. And we'll probably talk about like why that's the case because I think there's some real issues there, but it's like, it's just this team. Like when they're on, they're arguably the best team in the NFL at worst one of the very few rosters that can say we have like more blue chip players than anyone else. And it's just like when they like that second half of the Rams game or even the Panthers game, when they're ready to go, there's very few teams in the NFL that can stop them, but they're just not always ready to go. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes things fall apart. And that's kind of the main issue with them. It's been basically since, Shanahan rebuilt, so we'll remove 2017 and 2018 from 2019 now. They're really, really good. Then they slip up, and most of the time, they've slipped up in the playoffs, but not even for, like, an entire game. It's just a quarter where they'll, like, mess up, and they can't close, and then, boom, season's over. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, on that note, let's uh, let's dive deeper into this uh, win over the Chargers again. It was a win. I know we don't sound like we're being very optimistic about this, but we did win. They did win the game. Like that's good. Like they're five and four on the year, moving in the right direction. Um, so as uh, as we do with these uh, recap pods, what we're gonna do is we're going to take a look at one thing we liked and one thing that we didn't really like. Um, so I will uh, I'll start with you, um, Akshay, and we'll start with the the thing that you liked. Uh, from the Niners' win over the Chargers? I was a really big fan of the defensive line in the second half. I just think it was so obvious once they, like, got their, like, legs going and they were, like, fully engaged that they just changed the entire dimensions of the football game. And I think, you know, without Ebukum, without Armstead, and without Kinlaw, that hasn't really been something we see all that often. There hasn't been a ton of pressure. It's been a whole really cohesive like unit in the entire defense. But Nick Bosa, one sack, three tackles for loss, four QB hits. This is off ESPN stats. Jordan Willis, two QB hits and a sack. Charles Omenihue had three QB hits and a sack. And I mean, pressures after pressures after pressures, they iced the game away, basically. And... You know, the Chargers should not have been in this game. They're just not healthy enough to keep up with the 49ers. But like we had mentioned, Justin Herbert is a special QB, and he was doing some special things that game. And it wasn't until the defensive line said, enough of this, you're not going to be, what's it called, safe anymore, not going to be able to, like, sit back and dice us up, that they just took it away. So I really like the defensive line's performance. Yeah. Yeah, d- definitely uh, agree with you on that. I think uh, Herbert had been sacked what three or ten times coming into the game. They got him three times. Um, sorry, they got sorry they got Herbert twice, and uh, I think Chase Daniel was <laughs> sacked the other time. Um, but still, you know, it's the same same offensive line, and so that matters. But obviously, the difference between hunting down Chase uh daniel versus justin herbert is quite a difference but um you know three sacks on the on the on the day as you noted um but yeah i mean i'm I'm totally right there with you i was i was gonna sort of highlight the defense as a whole um because outside of um 
outside of that first drive where the Chargers were kind of moving along and it looked like they were going to be able to do whatever they wanted. And, and you know, I don't know about you, but I was that first drive went so well for them. And I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, goodness, here we go. Um, like this, is it going to be one of those one of those days from from the, from the 49ers perspective where the defense just can't quite seem to get out of its own way? Um, but really from there, I mean, Herbert had a had a couple of moments uh, but they managed to to keep them under control. You know, they had that first drive that was seven plays, 75 yards for a touchdown. But then after that, it was not a whole lot from there. I mean, they had uh, an 11-play, 54-yard drive that took a minute and 57 seconds uh, in the second. <coughs> excuse me, in the second quarter. But that only amounted to a field goal. That was at the uh, the end of the half. Um, which I'm sure we'll get into that particular play here in just a little bit. Um, but, you know, the Niners were, were very much outside of that first drive um, in very much like bend, but don't break mode. And then it was, they weren't even bending, um, you know, the, the bulk of, of Herbert's uh, yardage, it felt like came on that first drive. Um, and uh, after that, it was, it, it was tough sledding for him. You know, he was, he's still obviously a, a top notch player, but I, I think the, the Niners defense did enough. And obviously he missed uh, not having Mike Williams out there, not having Keenan Allen out there really hurt him. And the Niners defense was able to really key in on, on uh, Austin Eckler. And he didn't really have an impact on this game at all. Uh, he needed a couple of, of players, obviously Nick Bosa, Charles Amene, who was fantastic. Uh, filling in for uh, Samson Ebicom as that sort of main edge rusher opposite of Bosa. I thought Fred Warner was fantastic um, in his role, especially when uh, D'Amico Ryan's had him blitzing under certain circumstances. I, I mean, I thought Ryan was, uh, D'Amico was really in his bag really after that first drive, really timed everything up perfectly. You know, when it was time to to get those blitzes in there, he got them. And the, the timing of them was always seemed to be exactly right. And Warner's so good at that when he's called upon it uh, to do that. He's not, you know, a pass rusher first, obviously, as a middle linebacker. Um, that's not his primary objective most of the time. But when he's asked to do it, he, he generally does quite well um, with timing it and not disguising it well enough so that the opposing quarterback can't can't figure it out. So, I, you know, I thought the defense was, was, was great. And... Um, yeah, this offense was a little hurt, a little hobbled and and that sort of thing. But, you know, you can only play the team that's in front of you. You can't uh, be like, well, if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen had been out there, this would have been much harder. Maybe, but um, weren't. And so you, you just take what it is and try to beat the team that's there, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, to your point, the best players showed up, and that's what really mattered. Like, at the end of the day, you need to start to play like stars. and. Fred Warner and Nick Bosa played like stars. And they set the tide that the other players on the field could reach up to. And overall, I mean, that second half, that's the type of stuff we were seeing the first four or five games of this season. That was like elite, elite stuff where you're thinking this defense is historically good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, if, if, if they can continue to do that and if they remain healthy and hopefully get healthier over the course of the next couple of uh, couple of weeks, I, I don't see any reason why they can't continue to, to do these kinds of things. And and frankly, if you look across the, the remainder of their schedule, and I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, 
there's not really like an offense that, you know, outside of maybe Tampa and the and the Dolphins that makes you go, ooh, well, that one's going to be a, like a real tough test for this for this defense. I think that they they match up pretty favorably against most of the rest of their schedule, which means it's going to be up to the offense to to make sure that they're doing their job. Um, which I, again, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I think it, it it stacks up well for this for this team to continue to be successful and to to hopefully get on that run that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think let's move on actually to one of the things that uh, we didn't like because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, I like the transition. Nicely done. Because that tell, actually. Tell me what you didn't of, like, man. Tell me what you didn't <laughs> like. Because <laughs> this is going to be like hopelessly broad, but it kind of like encapsulates a lot of the issues I had. I just thought this team wasn't like ready. I didn't like the fact that they weren't ready. Now, that's a hopelessly vague thing you see on Twitter when someone is like just venting about the team. But I just think there are like a few issues. There's the drop touchdown by Ayuk, your best receiver, because I think Brandon Ayuk is probably the best pure receiver the 49ers have. Debo might be a better weapon, but your best receiver can't drop touchdowns like that. That was a gimme. Correct. What's it called? Well, especially because he. He absolutely annihilated the defender on skates. Like, oh man, he had no chance. What's it called? We talked about some other miscues. Then you can't have a punt be blocked. That's just you can't let that happen. You can't that fumble that Ayuk had. That's a tough one. I don't really want to blame him as much, but again, you just can't fumble the ball. You have to be tough. It's tough when Dervin James is like helmet just like smacks the ball. What are you going to do? But you got to hold on. You can't miss extra points. That would make a game a lead more than three points above a field goal. And most importantly, you can't, this goes to Kyle Shanahan specifically, you can't rely on your defense to the extent where you're not going to press the throat of the Chargers on offense. In, in that fourth quarter, I think we all saw the Chargers just didn't have the bodies to keep up. Each run was like six, seven yards. Chargers defenders are like barely getting up off the ground. You're like imposing your will on them. And then you don't go for it at the two-yard line on fourth and goal. Then the first drive, like you mentioned, not going for it. There's another drive, not going for it. There's just there's a lack of trust fundamentally with the offense that doesn't fit with the weapons he has and just the mindset this team has. This team wants to control the clock, score points, get insurmountable leads, and just wear you down. But the mentality of every player on the 49ers, and this is a testament to like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, is that they're going to hit you and they're going to hit you hard. And if you're not ready for the physicality that football has, you're going to get basically pounded out of the game. But your coach needs to embody that same like mentality. You have to be willing to throw haymakers knowing that they might miss sometimes. I just, obviously, I think my most specific gripe is with the decision to take that field goal with a minute left. There's, 
in like hindsight, everything works out because Hufanga gets the interception. But there's no way you're telling me that being up six versus up three with like 50 seconds of with the chance to like basically win the game with the way your defense was playing is the better choice simply because you had just had them at like the one yard line, the previous drive and the Chargers couldn't move anywhere. There were at least two instances where Herbert was a split second away from getting sacked for his safety. So I think not being prepared for this game out of the bye and coming out flat, there's just not, there's a lack of attentiveness and aggressiveness that have kind of permeated throughout the roster from the head coach to the players. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a huge downer because they won. And I'm, I'm happy they won. It's a good thing that they won. And it was a well-deserved victory that showed a lot of like good things. But the thing is the 49ers have set a standard for themselves. Maybe they don't deserve it, but this is a team we expect to be competing for a Super Bowl. And some of these like plays and some of these decisions aren't Super Bowl caliber. And I think the issue is beyond the second half of the Rams game, the Seahawks game, in the Panthers game, we haven't seen just every person on the roster, every coach, just be like in sync in unison. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair assessment for sure. Um, I think uh, so. Shanahan gets a lot of a lot of grief for like he's so great in between the you know the the tens like from ten from the from the 10 yard line to the 10 yard line. And then things just sort of fall apart um, from a play calling play execution perspective. I don't know which, which direction it is. Um, I think it's a little bit of both as we already noted in this particular case, like if Brandon, I catches that ball, um, you know, maybe the first two plays of that drive were not great, but he cooked that defender and was open and Garoppolo put it on him and he just dropped the ball. And, you know, if he catches that, um, suddenly they go, it makes a pretty big difference in terms of their red zone percentage and that sort of thing. Um, so you can't really put that all on, on Shanahan, although I think it is there, it, it is, it is bizarre how sort of like lacking in creativity. Sometimes he can be when they get into the red zone. I don't know. I mean, I get it's, it's harder. Like it's got a short, short distance there <laughs> and <coughs> excuse me, you got to figure out how to, how to get in that space. But, um, the de- the defense has the same problem, right? Like they have to also figure out how to stop you within a relatively short space as well. But um, yeah, and and the 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 late field goal was weird to me. Again, I even I was thinking like this got to be four down territory for the same reason you're talking about, right? Because the is it that much better to have those three points um, than it would be to like miss and now they have to go 99 yards in a minute with not 99 yards, but they have to go most of the length of the field in under a minute with no timeouts. And they've been real and their offense has been doing nothing for a whole quarter, almost two whole quarters. Now. Um, I think that's a risk you take. And the fact that you could also add a touchdown to the, to that number, instead of just three, the, the risk reward opportunity, I think there is, is, is makes trying to score a touchdown there, the, the right move, but, on some levels, I also understand the other direction. Um, so it's it's I mean, and as you say, in hindsight, it's hard. It's it's easy to look at it and go, well, you should have done this or you could have done that. 
but they did what they did and they won the game. So that's that's difficult. <coughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Um, but but by and large, uh, I would say my sort of area that the, the thing that I didn't like was just the, the offense, again, seems to be sluggish. Um, uh you know, we noted that the defense kind of got off to a rough start in the first drive, but they figured it out. Right. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't an immediate thing. They had a first a rough first drive. But then after that, from from pretty much there on out, they gave up. What, uh, nine points the rest of the game um, and nothing in the second qu- in the second half at all. And the the yardage numbers in the second half were ridiculous. What did they they allowed something like. I think at one point they they showed the Chargers had like 51 total yards of offense in the second half or something stupid like that. Um, they just they couldn't do anything, and so the, the offense never, as you noted, got to that point. And still, still, even though they never got to that point, and they didn't they didn't take advantage of the of the the running game like they should have, but they still had an opportunity to score like 30 points in this game, and it's still kind of frustrating. Like, how do they not get there? That's that's the thing where I'm like, you got all these weapons. How come you can't get there? <laughs> so I don't I don't know. That's that's hard. That's the hardest part. Like you got Christian McCaffrey and you got Debo Samuel. You got Brandon. Ike, you got George Kittle. Like what what's going on here? Like 
what's the disconnect? That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, um, I agree. I think I was less concerned about the lack of like about some of the like small issues insofar as like I think there is a bit of an adjustment and I also think, you know, sometimes things just don't work out as well. But I I agree. I think people are rightfully frustrated at some points. There were too many drives where it just felt like, like what's happening here? And I think my biggest, to that extent, I think my biggest issue was Debo Samuel only got six touches this game. George Kittle got one. Yeah, That's, he was only targeted twice in the whole game. Like, I understand there's like a script here and there's like an intention we can run the ball against them, but come on. I'm like, I'm not a big fan of the whole, okay, Kyle Shanahan is like bad at like what he does kind of like thing. <laughs> because yeah, I, honest, I think a lot of the time, there's levels to like his like play calling and like plays he calls that like Jimmy Garoppolo or his players like execution is a huge part of it, right? But to some extent, you're not telling me that like the Chargers spent the entire game double teaming Kittle and Samuel and were just like, hey, we'll let whoever else beat us. We know that's not true because what's it called? Christian McCaffrey was the focal point of their like defense when he was in the game, you could see the defense shift towards him, crouch towards him, like hone in on him. And I don't know what kind of thing needs to be done, but I don't know, like in 2019, if Debo needed to get the ball, you would give a jet sweep to Debo. If Kittle needed to get the ball, you'd run a tight end screen to Kittle. While I I understand calling plays in context, at some point, like you have for sure, 100% definitively, three absolutely elite, like elite, elite weapons, all capable of breaking a game in McCaffrey, Samuel, and Kittle. Then you not only add in Ayuk, who I think should be in that list, but doesn't have the accolades for it. Elijah Mitchell had 89 yards rushing. Juwan Jennings is a physical monster. And there are a lot of mouths to feed, but there's no world where, and this is not like me, like bad-mouthing or disparaging Elijah Mitchell, but he shouldn't have the most touches on this team. That's just bad. In my opinion, that's, that's like, that's, there's something like wrong in your offensive game plan. If that's with all the weapons you have, that's the guy you're like saying, okay, close it up for us. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely with you on on that. I mean, some of it is like hot hands type of thing. And I know Shanahan is pretty um, famous for for rolling with that. And um, in, in some ways, I think it made sense because they were kind of the, the game plan definitely seemed to like run into the teeth of the defense. Um, and in, in, in some ways, it looked like Mitchell had a little bit more of a handle on on the inside runs than McCaffrey did. Um, but still, yeah, you, you got to find a way to get those other people involved more because these guys are, are as you note, all pros or all pros at their positions. They just need to touch the ball more. It's just it's just that easy. Um, 
you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing pretty well. Um, and he had some some really great moments, including probably like the best throw I've ever seen him make in his entire career. And that ball to, to Ray Ray McLeod on just completely out of nowhere. I don't I don't I have no idea how how he made that throw at all. Um, but he he's going to he, he is what he is. And we know that. But we also know he can be really good at, at distributing the ball. And that's just what he needs to do. Um, and so figure out they need to figure out a way to do that uh, to get all of these guys more touches and I don't I don't I don't know it seems pretty easy to me I don't know it's just that's just me yeah I'm interested to see what they do against Arizona I think I'm I'm hoping that the attack is a little more diverse and they don't basically fall into this trap of okay we know what like this defense is bad at and we're just gonna like do only that they ran the ball 41 times. That's like game script maybe, but this game was not like so comfortably in hand to where they ran the ball strictly because they wanted to ice out the game. This was like an intentional focus on them to like run, run, run. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, Shanahan likes to run the ball, but I just want to, I want to see the, the best players getting a chance to do more with it. And maybe it was really situational and going forward, we'll see a more diverse offensive attack. But if we don't, I think there is actually, there becomes a real issue of whether this is like, this is the correct way to utilize this variety of resources, but who knows? It's one game. They did win. They got the win. We keep forgetting that. They, they won. (laughs) Their defense played phenomenal. The offense, besides like getting within after being in the 10-yard line, was basically there the entire game. I mean, they dominated the Chargers. So it's just we're I think we're nitpicking because yeah, they have the talent to reach that exceedingly high level we want them to reach. And also I think yeah. there's like a natural sense of projection of like, okay. This beats the Chargers, but what if we're facing, we're in Philadelphia with the trip to the Super Bowl on the line or Kansas City in the Super Bowl? Like, I think naturally we want to see them play up to that potential every week because it makes us more confident that when they need to reach it, they can. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, again, you look at the, at the, it's just, just if I, just showed you the team statistics and took out the the score you would you would think this was a a a blowout like the Niners had 22 first downs the Chargers had a 12 the Niners ran the ball 41 times for 157 yards the Chargers ran it 16 times for 51 yards that's that's dumb by the way um (laughs) the Chargers had 196 passing yards um the Niners had 240 um just it looks pretty i mean the niners had the ball for 36 minutes almost 37 minutes uh exactly it was 3659 um it it you you'd be like oh yeah it was a blowout game like i said earlier it just wasn't and there's got to be a way to figure that out um okay so um we we have to talk about the the other thing that i didn't like uh 
and it has nothing to do uh, with with any of this. Um, is it is it just me or is, was the refereeing in this particular game like very bad? Um, <laughs> it, it, well, like, I agree. I mean, it look, was... I, I it's it. Refer. I know, like throwing rocks at the referees is it's like low low hanging fruit because it, I get it. It's a hard job. Blah 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 blah. But I swear, man, if that right tackle had jumped and without a, another like. That man should have had like a hundred yards of false start penalties on him just by himself. He was jumping every single play. It felt like, and they're like, Oh, that's fine. You just keep doing that. We know you can't, you can't actually block Nick Bosa by yourself. So we're just going to give you a head start. It's no big deal. Um, so that's another thing. That's one thing. And then of course we have to do, we do have to discuss the, the major elephant in the room, but um, I, I figured we couldn't, it's been talked about enough, um, but it's worth, discussing here a little bit uh so what do we think of this whole dre Greenlaw situation should it be a penalty fine i guess was it grounds for ejection no way no way i i just like when i saw the shot herbert took i was like wow that's that's a vicious blow that's not his fault honestly like what happened with Greenlaw to for him to not hit Herbert given the trajectory Herbert's body went unintentionally in the split second that it happened Drake Greenlaw would have to be the smartest man alive because he would have to know how to literally defy physics (laughs) and it's it's idiotic to me just because there's this idea there was this like reiteration after the game that there was forcible contact with like but the question of intent was like very very muddy and i don't think there's a single world where you can say he intentionally hit herbert like helmet to helmet he didn't even lead with his helmet he was shoulder first i think greenlaw can like run a little hot and i don't mean like in terms of temper i think he just like what he gets, yeah, he can get over aggressive tackling. Yeah, he's a fiery guy, and he gets—he gets a little overwhelmed sometimes. Yeah, right. And I think it's kind of like okay, like it happens. So I don't know. It's definitely not a reputation thing. I don't think. I don't think Dre Greenlaw really has a reputation. But there's just like there's no world where you can make that call. I just don't think that's a reasonable call. But Overall, for refereeing, six total penalties called in this game is actually, that's around the number, maybe like eight to ten. And I don't, like, like refereeing shouldn't be prescriptive. You shouldn't know beforehand. I want to call these many penalties. I want the game to be, like, this level of openness. But I like the low number of, like, flags thrown. I just think... At some point, like there was a blatant face mask that was missed. There was a co- mm-hmm. obvious holds on Bosa. Then, like you mentioned, the right tackle for the Chargers, like literally jumped every single second he could because it was the only way he could make sure he can match Bosa's get off. Like, not calling those things doesn't somehow like make it better. 
or like, or somehow like make it more even. It just means that the game is like messy, but you're not officiating it. I don't know. Ridiculous to me. I yeah. I care less because they won, and right. you know, you now you look back and you're like, oh, that's not great. But come on, like at least the fault starts. Anything, everything else, whatever. In the moment, you're staring at the guy. Do you call false starts for everything? How do you not call it at least once? It's literally a dude just like standing there, like what? That's his actual job is to stand there and watch the guys in the line of scrimmage to make sure they don't commit any penalties before the snap. <laughs> it's like okay, um, yeah. I mean, because you only have to do it once, right? Like you catch them one time, and you're like, hey, I see that you are doing that, and then theoretically it stops. And if it doesn't, you just keep doing it. You keep like I get you don't want to throw a penalty flag on every play. And there's, you know, the old Maddenism, like you can call holding on every play or call a penalty on every play. Somebody's probably cheating somewhere. But it, yeah, it, it was frustrating that they just kind of let it go the whole time. And as you say, if if that had somehow ended up costing the 49ers the win or something like that, I think I'd be even more furious about it. Uh, similarly, with the green law thing, I'm I'm right there with you i don't understand how that's an objection especially because every explanation that i've heard of it has been slightly different like um you know the the statement that the league office made immediately during the broadcast was slightly different than what some other when i heard from uh some other statement from the league office yet you know after the game and <clears throat> you know it's all i saw something about dean blandino said something completely slightly di- it's not like completely different explanation but it's just slightly different enough to be like are you guys on the same page about even why this was a problem like i, I don't understand especially because if the, the point is player safety then justin herbert should not have been allowed on the field again for the rest of the game right like if he if that was such a dangerous hit that it required him to be removed from the game like to for greenlaw to be thrown out of the game if his intent was to injure him um then what, why are we letting Herbert back in? Like, should he not have been like, he was, if it was so awful, like how did he, how was he okay? Like, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's a little conspiracy level thing, <laughs> but still like if it's so bad, like, I don't understand how that happens, especially because you mentioned the Ayuk fumble before that whole thing started because um, I don't remember who, which, which defender was, was it Natalie that was helmet, um, right. right. Helmet literally on his, on his, well, and he hit him in the head with his helmet first. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, okay. Like the, the, my favorite thing was that they were making this big deal out of the fact that it's not because he's a quarterback. I don't know, man. I think it might be, a little bit because he's a quarterback and not only that he's just a quarterback he's just he's a quarterback he's justin hurt yeah he's one of the name recognition quarterbacks in the league he's one of your face of the franchise guys like he's a top 10 he's hopefully going to be like one of your best quarterbacks in the league for the next 10 or 15 years like so whether or not that's being stated or whether or not that's a complete conspiracy because we don't have one of those guys on our team for some reason um, makes it harder. I get I get it. 
<laughs> um, because as you noted, like Debo, they're got, you know, I don't care if he just got his thumb in the face mask. Technically, if you grab the face mask, that's supposed to be a penalty. And they even got away with, <clears throat> they did away with the like levels of face mask. It's just a face mask and it's 15 yards and that's the end of it. Again, we're we're like, you know, yelling at the clouds about this and it, it seems less important because they won the game, but you hate to see it is really what I want to say. And um, Shanahan said today he doesn't expect that that uh, Greenlaw will be uh, suspended for this. So help me if they suspend him for this on top of the fact that they're probably going to find him after already ejecting him for half of a game. Man. <laughs> That's that's all I gotta say. Yeah. Also, quick status update. You everyone yeah, listening yeah, will I... know this already, but the Eagles are undefeated no longer. So <laughs> Yeah, they lost to the Commanders thirty two to twenty one. There you go. What a world. Yeah. What a world. <clears throat> are the commanders good? I don't know. We'll talk about that later. Um <laughs> Maybe that game will be the real important one in the stretch run. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Um, all right. So, Aksha, has any final things to say about this uh, this matchup with the Chargers before we go ahead and wrap things up for, for this episode? I think it showed me two things. One, it showed me when you have, like, a top, top-tier quarterback like a Justin Herbert, any game is winnable. And I just think... For the 49ers, because, you know, this season has been incredible, has been like a very, very like removed one from what we all thought it would be about, which is Trey Lance. He's just sitting in the wings rehabbing. And it was just a good reminder of like what they're trying to see him become, because I think his like seat, like what his ceiling is, is to be a Herbert Mahomes Allen type QB, where it's less so the capacity to run that gives him all his quarterbacking value, but just the fact that he's mobile, has a rocket arm, and can make a bunch of decisions. So that was just a good reminder of like, hey, there's another guy who we're really hoping might become a Herbert-like figure. And then secondly, I just think it's a good win to have on your ledger because it's a win the 49ers haven't had recently where they've just through a very like obviously subpar performance and managed to like sneak away with the win. Usually they lose games like this, Denver, the Falcons, the Bears. They you typically don't overcome their mistakes. So should they have won by like 14? Yes. Am I mad that they didn't? Maybe a little, but just overall I think it showed the resilience they have. But I'll take a dominant win over Arizona, over a resilient win over Arizona any day. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and, you know, as you note, uh, technically they have I mean, I don't in in the end of at the end of the at the end of the season. I don't I don't know if we're going to look back and say, oh, the Chargers are you know a good team. But right now they're in the playoff hunt in in the AFC. And it's important to beat teams that are worse than you for sure but it also matters to beat teams that are you know in contention theoretically um i don't know if the chargers are really in contention in contention um especially in that afc where who knows but um 
they are at least a reasonably <laughs> a reasonably good team. And so it's good that the Niners were able to go out there and, and get that win. So I'm right there with you um, on that. So cool. Uh, well, let's go and uh, wrap this one up. I think that was a, a good chat, a good conversation. Um, always good to, to talk after a win as opposed to a loss. So um, thanks, as always, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and post-game grades from my uh, good man, Oxaz, here. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.